0: Welcome to the Health and Biz Bytes podcast. I'm your host, Mike Beverly. Thanks for tuning in today. This podcast is dedicated to individuals and professionals who desire to learn more about the subject and business aspects of non-traditional technologies and approaches to better health and vitality. Let's get started. Ladies and gentlemen, it's my distinct pleasure to introduce our special guest for today's episode, Dan Cobb. Dan is originally from Platteville, Wisconsin. After high school, he entered the United States Army as a military police officer serving in various leadership roles in Frankfurt, Germany, the Republic of Panama, in Fort Devens, Massachusetts. Dan then transitioned to public education where he ultimately held several executive roles. Dan practices situational leadership while focusing on those he serves. In 2019, Dan started Dynamico, where he works as a compensation expert helping their clients create and easily manage compensation systems that attract candidates who fit, retain great people, build trust with their employees, and ensure compensation equity. In 2022, Dan followed his passion and started Leading Like a Buffalo and continues to train, coach, and mentor leaders across the country. In September 2022, Dan released his first book, "The Power of Me Leadership: Nine Tenants for Me." Nine tenants for every leader. Dan, it is a pleasure to have you on the Health and Biz Bites
1: podcast. Well, I'm very tickled to be here, and I'm honored that you asked me. So, thank you for the invitation.
0: Oh, my pleasure. My my extinct pleasure. And first, I want to thank you for your service to our great country. And uh, one of the questions that came to mind as I was, you know, learning about you and knowing that you had that experience, um, what, what factors determined your decision to join the military?
1: I'd love to be able to tell you it was some... Um novel idea that in you know dedication and all that but quite honestly it was an easy way out of high school it's uh, my brother had gone in a couple years before me and not that I was trying to emulate his path but I was so done with education and I was getting recruited for both uh, football and academics at the time and there was just all this noise and the recruiters were there for the military. And one of the military people, uh, one of the army recruiters said, you know, we can make all this noise go away. You just gotta sign this paper. And seriously, I could just tell everybody else to shut up if I sign this paper. Yes. So I signed the paper. So it was as simple as that. Done with school. I wanted the noise to stop. And that was a way to make it stop. And my brother had forged that path before me. So it was an easy path to follow, I guess.
0: Well, that's that's interesting. And um uh that i understand that that pressure of uh finishing up high school and everyone asking you where you're going and um so I, many of my friends did the same thing and went down the same path and uh i don't know what what years were you um uh, uh, in the military? Was it was It was after Vietnam? Before, you know, I guess after Vietnam? Definitely after.
1: I'm not quite that old. I okay. went in in 86 and I was in Germany when the wall fell in 89. And then I ended up in Panama in 91, which was two years after uh, Just Pause occurred where we sort of invaded their country. So um saw some interesting things in my time serving overseas during the middle of the cold war and then right after we had invaded panama
0: wow well that had to be an interesting observation to see the the wall that that berlin wall fall
1: yeah it was and within a couple months all of a sudden we saw a lot of uh immigrants coming into West Germany from East Germany, because you could tell they were in these smaller cars with everything they owned strapped to the top of it, doing about uh, 50 or 60 kilometers an hour on the Autobahn. And they sort of stood out and, and it took a couple months, but they were there.
0: Wow. Interesting. Interesting.
1: Well, as you know, I, I totally
0: enjoyed your book as we read it through our mastermind group that um, uh, you're aware of. But in one of the chapters in the book, you describe taking a job with less pay because you felt it was the right
1: decision. Now, could you could you elaborate on what you meant by that? Absolutely. So there was a point in my adult life where I thought a good fit for a job was when I applied for a job, they interviewed me, they offered me a job. I thought, perfect fit, right? I wanted the job. I applied, they offered no, it, it's a lot more than that. So it's about do you vibe with the people who are interviewing you? Do you do you appreciate the mission the public persona, the company organization has? So everything that is you internally has to fit their organization, their company. And if you don't fit it, it's you shouldn't be employed there. So in both companies, both my compensation company and my leadership company, I work with individuals and organizations to help them find fit. Because if you felt fit in an organization, you know what I'm talking about. If you have it, you're thinking this guy is an idiot. Um, and I'm just out there making money so I can enjoy the weekend. But strive for fit because when you find a good fit, work becomes more enjoyable, you become more dedicated, you become more productive, and your longevity typically increases there, which is a win-win for you and the employer. So it's about fit. You can feel it in your gut. I've I've coached and mentored countless leaders in the last 20 plus years talking about that. And many of them have come, first of all, a lot of them look at me skeptically when I talk about fit. And then when they realize the fit occurs, when they feel it in, in an interview, and then in their subsequent employment, they follow up and I say, I get it now. There, There is a feeling when you fit an organization.
0: That makes sense. And it's, it's kind of like, uh, uh, I was sp- speaking with someone uh, in Europe recently and And the lady said, Mike, it's apparent you're very passionate about what you do. And I said, you know, at almost 70 years old, while a lot of my friends that were in education like me are retiring and just hanging out and, and some, some of them don't have direction or a purpose now other than, Oh, I get to chill out and do whatever I want all day and, or nothing. Um, And she said, why at 70 years old, are you so passionate? I said, because when you have a life-changing experience like I've had, and you you experience that and you're willing to share what you've learned with other people, it's it's not like work. I mean, I I, I can't believe sometimes my wife and I get to the end of the day at dinner time, we go, wow, where did the day go? We we're so involved and so so like that. But but I have to say, Dan, I appreciate what you're saying about feeling it because in my five different school settings that I taught at for 22 years, I took a job one time because of the money. And in my gut, and even a mentor of mine told me, be be cautious about your decision with this one. And the money won out. And boy, did I ever regret it. I surely regretted it. So
1: Yeah. And most people do. And then even when candidates aren't thinking about fit and they go into an interview and just say the things they think the employer wants to hear, if they're not being genuine, they've set themselves up for failure. So when you go into a, a job interview and tell people who you are and why you are that person and there's a fit, you get the job. They'll feel it too. You'll get the job. It's pretty easy to show up on day one and be yourself. But if you go into a job interview, seeing the words and giving the answers you think they want to hear, it's pretty difficult to show up on day one of work and be somebody you're not. I mean, that's not a good situation, regardless of the money. It, it's it got to be a good fit, and you've got to find a place that fits you personally and professionally.
0: Exactly, exactly. And it's, you can, you can only fake it so long. Right. So, so that's true. But, you know, one of, one of the things that uh, I was a highlight for me as reading the book was several times you mentioned leadership potential is in all of us. And for the individual who might be listening to the podcast today, who might be doubting themselves or their true potential, uh, what advice would you give to them?
1: First of all, in my uh, experience, good leaders doubt themselves all the time. So if you're doubting your decisions and you're second guessing your things you're doing, at, whether you're in a leadership position or not, that's a good thing to do because I know I'm a better leader now than I was two weeks ago. I had an experience with my partner. We were in a um, a conference last week, getting back to fit. My partner and I were close friends, and we love working together. So. It's a, We fit, therefore it's not really a job. So we had an experience last week that I know because of that experience, I'm a better leader and a better human being today because I'm constantly looking to evolve. So when people second guess themselves, that's a good thing to do. If you lack confidence, I'm here to help people lead with confidence because there are things that everybody can do to become a better leader. And that's the essence of the book. For example, just, um, take care of your people is one of the tenets I explicitly explain in the book. And it's so obvious once people take a step back and think about what that means in their world, whether they're the CEO or C-suite executive, or they're simply a shift supervisor, or they're working in customer service. Taking care of your people makes sense, but it's all too often that people get bogged down by the the tasks at hand where they forget to focus on the people involved in those tasks. So when people take care of their people, when leaders take care of their people, they become better leaders. So there is an example how someone who's perhaps lacking confidence, if they start focusing on taking care of their people, whether it's their teammates, their clients, their, people, their direct reports, that's going to be able to create a better leader in them. So it's gonna look different, I give examples of what taking care of people looks like. I talk to people about it all the time, but what Mike would do for taking care of his people is going to look different than what Dan would do, because Mike's a different person than Dan is. And there's the essence of everybody can lead, because everybody can, can subscribe to the idea of taking care of their people, and it's going to manifest itself based on our individual everything. Our personalities ages experience in life gender etc our context in our work environment but if we all focus on taking care of our people we can all become better leaders and that's just one thing somebody can do to become a better leader and that's what i mean when i say everybody can lead because there's little things you can do as a human being to take care of others around you that don't cost money don't take time it's simply saying hi or maybe knowing the name of the custodian when you walk past him or her on your way to your office in the morning. That is a way of taking care of your people, and you will be better off because of it, and so will those around you.
0: That is so profound, but it's it's encouraging to know that, I mean, even I, from time to time, I will have a, a down going, is, am, I, am I going to be able to do this? <laughs> am I going to be able to... To reach that goal that I've set, so I think it's just human nature that we all have self-doubt from time to time. But uh, that that's great advice, Dan. So one of, one of the other things that I loved, and uh, uh, when I left education and got into sales, I, I used to send what you call your thank you notes to to people that you were working with and your staff. Mm-hmm. And when I was going into sales, I was in uh, school fundraising, so I Met a lot of people in schools, a lot of uh, gatekeepers, the secretaries and those receptionists. And I literally every evening I would take time to write a note say thank you so much for your kindness. As I walked into your school today, I look forward to visiting again with my business card. And boy, did it ever pay off. It really paid off. So uh, so but what I wanted to, to ask you about was in today's fast paced, instant gratification, social media world. How how do you feel that concept or that that strategy would work
1: in in today's current society? For those who want to be better leaders, it works all the time because it's so impersonal the society we found ourselves in now that when there is a personal touch, when it, whether it's a simple good morning followed by the person's name, where you say good morning to somebody, there, there's a human touch that so many people are lacking right now compounded by the issue of the pandemic, where we've been all, many of us have been isolated for years. So that personal touch can help bring people back to realizing they're an integral part of a human society. So it's possible you mentioned the thank you note, if you've got a team that you're leading, it's an easy way to start taking care of your people by simply acknowledging the great things they're doing. It could be a note of appreciation, a note of recognition, or as simple as you're walking past their cubicle, hey, I happened to hear you on the phone talking to that customer. That was a great job. You handled that well, even though they, didn't, they weren't happy, you, whatever. So simple acknowledgements of the good things you're seeing, because you're not seeing good things. You're obviously not employing the right people. So I know employers are pl- employing good people that are doing good things. Simply acknowledge it, and it doesn't take a lot of time, but that's one way of taking care of your people. And The recipients of those things recognize that if you're a decision maker in an organization and you're talking about health insurance changes or any other type of benefit change or implementation, it would be logical to get the point of view of those you lead on what they may desire in a new plan, program, whatever. And it's not about letting them have the decision. It's about involving them. The human touch that is there because you're not going to have all the answers. As a leader, you need to engage those around you to become a better leader. So the human touch is necessary. It's It will help ground us a little bit in this very wired society that we're in now, and people appreciate it.
0: Yeah, that's so, so true. And I think probably that touch is even more meaningful and more impactful today because of, like you said, us being isolated for so long. And the fact that everybody's like this, you know, it's social media, and wow, the impact that's having on all our lives is is pretty amazing. But uh, one of the, one of the things I read in a leadership book, and I think it was by Tom Peters, which he was kind of the guru for a long time of leadership, and he talked about people don't leave positions because of money; they leave positions because of how they feel in that work environment. So. Can you kind of elaborate on that a little bit?
1: Absolutely. It goes to it goes back to the things I was just saying. So you've got to create an environment that's conducive to employee satisfaction. And that's going to look different in every work environment in the country and it's going to look different based on the different people that are involved. So it's about treating people with respect. It's about creating compensation systems that acknowledge the great things they're doing for the organization. The time to give somebody a raise is not when they walk in your office and say, hey, I'm leaving in two weeks for more money elsewhere. No, time out, stay, here's more money. If they're that good and you wanted them to stay in the first place, pay, create compensation systems that recognize that greatness. You don't wanna trick somebody into staying, who well, isn't good, but if somebody's really good, you should pay them that. You should have the benefits that they're uh, craving. Traditional health insurance is not that appealing to the younger generations. There are other different trending benefits that are out there. And if you've got an insurance broker, talk to your insurance broker about the trending benefits you can offer. Engage your people about what they may see as more palatable or appealing um, benefits rather than paid health insurance because it's not that appealing. And perhaps you've got some paid time off. I know some employers back in the day used to give some type of local pension and or health insurance upon retirement, a lot of those things have gone away, but it doesn't mean you can't create a paid time off buyback program that goes into a um, some type of annuity. If you say you get a bank of 50 paid time off days that you've accrued and we buy back X number of them on a yearly basis, that's a benefit that they have in hand that is more appealing than saying to them, "Oh, when you retire, we're going to give you two pay, two years of paid health insurance. They don't care about that. So all the little things you could do logistically and personally to create satisfied employees, that is going to go a long way in creating a sound, positive, strong organization or company. And it's not about placating them. It's not about coddling them. It's about take, showing them respect, creating systems that recognize their greatness, attracting people who fit you, retaining those great people, ensuring equity, paying them for the great things they're doing and growing together. Everybody's goal should be, if you're in an organization that is healthcare, your, your goal should be the be the best healthcare organization in the community. If you are a fast food place, you want to be the go-to fast food place. For example, there's i'm not putting a plug in for duncan just because i don't get it paid for by duncan but there's a duncan near me i like going in that place just because of how great the employees are they make me feel good about myself i don't care if it's seven o'clock at night i want to go feel good about myself so i'm going to get a cup of coffee even though i'm going to stay awake all night but it's worth it because of how great they treat me those people should be recognized for their greatness and somebody in that in that organization locally is doing a great job by fostering that because I've lived here long enough. There's been some turnover to Duncan and they're, they're just as nice now as they were 12 years ago when I got here and they're different people. So they're doing something right. And there's an example of creating an, excuse me, an environment that's conducive to employee satisfaction. You can tell they're enjoying working together. You can tell they enjoy their job and it's not about paying them $5 an hour more than the competitor. It's about treating them with respect, giving them the proper benefits, paying them for their greatness, et cetera.
0: Yeah, exactly. And uh, it, uh, you know, as I was reading your book, I uh, I was reminded of my, my last public school principal. I ended up teaching in a private Christian school when I moved to Florida, but my last public school teacher was ex-military, as we discussed. And uh, he was the ultimate cheerleader. I mean, he was he was, every club, every organization, didn't matter how small, large, or significant or insignificant it was on campus, he was there being the cheerleader for them, and, you know, he ultimately became an educational leader at the superintendent level in uh, North Carolina, and ended up being superintendent of one of the largest school systems in that state, but just an amazing cheerleader, and sounds like that's what you're life was as an educator and as a business consultant
1: that's it i I like to celebrate those around me for example on linkedin on fridays i encourage people to spread the love Uh, go out there and make connections establish connections build on connections you've had uh, from your previous work employment your current employment go out and take care of people i would actually was on a podcast Last year, it was right after a school shooting, somebody said, how can we solve this? I said, well, dude, I, you know, I, can't, I can't solve it. I'm not a legislator. I'm not a superintendent of schools. I, I can't solve it. But what I can do as a human being is start continuing to, to spread the love and take care of those in my circle. If I overtly do that and encourage those people to do it as well, maybe my circle of influence grows. This guy who was interviewing me happened to be from Texas. I said, if you do this in Texas, It's not going to happen overnight because our society did not get in the spot that it is now overnight, but in two or three years, if his circle of influence grows and mine grows in Wisconsin, Texas, we can make halfway in the middle. We could solve this problem. If we start taking care of one another, treating people with civility, treating people with respect and treating people as positive human beings, they typically reciprocate. It is a win-win when you do that. So taking care of your people is an awesome thing. I love doing it on all week, but Fridays—that's what I do on Fridays—is well, you know, spreading the love.
0: That's very cool. That's very cool. Well, um, <clears throat> you know, your use of profound questions when dealing with situations struck me the most. I think as I read your book, and the one question that I, I'm going—that had to take some real self-reflection when you ask. What can I do for you to stop hating me so much? How, how hard was that to deal with on a personal level, Dan?
1: Well, it um, that I'm to put it into context. I was holding a, a coworker had done something egregious, and it was my positional job to hold that person accountable. And there wasn't anybody. Who was aware of what occurred to include the guy who was hating on me, no one this everyone understood the magnitude of this egregious thing that had occurred. The dude was blatantly wrong, so I had to hold him accountable. But what comes with holding people accountable, there's hatred in embedded in that when you are holding people accountable in regard to, well, how dare you hold my friend accountable? Well, you you're aware of what he did. So you know what he did was wrong. It could have been like it was bad. So, um, I just had a discussion with another leader last week. I oftentimes have issues to address, but I'm not sure how to address it. And I'm not sure what I'm going to say, but I'm aware of when the situation is in front of me and it presents itself. I know to take advantage of it. So a couple of days after a situation where I, I had identified somebody was really, uh, With hatred in his eyes, looking at me because I was holding his friend accountable for again, something that was very egregious. um, He happened to be standing outside my office. So I asked him to step inside my office and say, Hey, I just want to know what I can help, how I can help you quit hating me. And he got very indignant immediately. But then, almost within 10 seconds, he sort of let his guard down and said, Hey, I appreciate our coworker like you do. You know what happened, I'm not going to get into it with you, but you know what happened. I've got to address that behavior. This isn't personal and I appreciate the fact you are supporting him through that. Thank you. Thank you on behalf of our coworkers. I appreciate it. We're going to get through this. And that totally disarmed him and we be, he became a quality person that I could go to and say, "Hey, I need so, I need to know information regarding this what are people thinking about x y and z that will help me inform my decision and he had his finger on the pulse of a lot of things that were going on in the organization so i was able to use him not to covertly spy on people but to get the the pulse of what people were thinking about an issue before i made a decision so he became somewhat of an ally a guarded ally but an ally because i he realized i was not the devil i just happened to be fulfilling a role that was required of me
0: Yes, and it, it sounds like once the emotions were under control and out of the forefront, and and a logical, rational thought process could ensue, <laughs> then that that helped a great
1: deal. Is that right? Absolutely, and that always helps. Uh, one the other another tenet in my book is be the buffalo. Address issues in front of you. It's as simple as that. Address things in front of you, but at times. If you as the leader, your emotions are too high, you better not address what's in front of you. Get your emotions in check. Because if it's an egregious thing with which you have to deal and you have to call somebody on the carpet, quote unquote, odds are pretty good you're not feeling the most positive. So if you're feeling less than positive or worse than neutral, make sure you are focusing on keeping your emotions in check and let those people focus on the issue It's not about the person. So always keep your emotions in check when you are doing something. Even if it's something that disgusts you or angers you and you you are just irate, take a step back, control those emotions, and then address it. Great advice. And uh,
0: my wife, if she were here, well, she'll be listening to the episode. She would say, Dan, you're so right, and the advice I always give Mike is when when she knows that I'm upset over a situation or something, she'll say, okay, let's chill, you sleep on it, and then let's discuss it tomorrow. And that's wonderful advice, and I'm so appreciative and so blessed to have her as my emotional counselor and and has been so wonderful in helping me Diffuse situation that probably my tendency would be to just jump instead of wait and be more patient.
1: Yeah. And I always help people understand that you try to enter situations so that you come off as a winner when it's done. But if you go in with emotions high, you're not going to come off as a winner, which will ultimately make you a loser and you'll probably lose the situation. But if you control your emotions, Focus on entering the the issue in the conversation by being a winner. The winning will follow. Winning is a byproduct of focusing on being a winner. So get those emotions in check and focus on being a winner. Treat other people with respect. Winning will follow.
0: Well, obviously, ladies and gentlemen, after you've heard this discussion, everyone will want to go and get a copy of uh, Daniel S. Kopp. Kopp's book, The Power of Me Leadership, Nine Leadership Tenants for Every Leader. So I recommend you do that. It's been a wonderful read. I read it, part of our mastermind group that I'm in, and then I reread it again so that I could be fresh for this interview. But Dan, how would people get in touch with you if they want to seek out your coaching, your mentorship, or your services with your, your business?
1: Right on. You, um, Our website is leadingbuffalo.com, and you can contact me at dan at leadingbuffalo.com. Well, that's wonderful. So everyone, uh, will have
0: that in the show notes uh, for you to reference to to reach out to Dan. And uh, uh, by the way, I, I meant to ask, and I thought of this as we were talking, do you do speaking engagements as well?
1: Absolutely. Um, we do keynotes, Speaking, my partner and I were in a conference last week doing that. We do organizational training, and we do mentoring and some limited coaching. So speaking is definitely something that's in the forefront. Um, Companies, organizations bring us in and talk to their leadership team, or we'll go to conferences and talk to leaders from um, different organizations. And we can do organizational training as well, uh, whether it's half-day or full-day training. And they would, for someone to have an
0: interest in those services, they'd reach out to you or to your website as well. Dan at
1: leadingbuffalo.com.
0: All right, everyone, you have that and it'll be in the show notes. And if you'd like to reach out to me to find out more about my passion and mission to inform and educate people on uh, alternative and healing uh, modalities outside of traditional Western medicine, you can go to www.mike.com beverly.life that's uh, m-i-k-e-b-e-v-e-r-l-y.life and while there download uh, uh, one of our free ebooks optimize your overall health and wellness today and then you can click the podcast tab to listen to this episode and many others in the library so uh, glad you were here to enjoy the interchange with dan kopp and myself and i know it will be of value to everyone that listens Hey, everyone, and thank you so much again for checking out today's episode. And if you're listening through iTunes, Spotify, wherever you happen to be listening, please subscribe. Leave a five-star rating and review if you choose to do so. And I'm grateful for you and that you're spending this time with me. Have a wonderful rest of your day.